Howdy, creative people, and welcome to the Creating Knowledge Income podcast. I'm your host, Paul Erickson, and I have coffee in hand, so let's jump right in. You're listening to the Creating Knowledge Income podcast with the best host in the world, Paul Erickson. Was that good, Dad? But I'm not a very creative person. Have you ever thought that? I've had conversations with people like that. And I have to say it's not true. And I can prove to pretty much everybody that it's not true by asking this question. And, you know, it's a little uncomfortable of a question, but it's simply this. Have you ever told a lie? A lie, by nature, is creative. It has to be in order to deceive the other person. I'm obviously not advocating a lie in order to become creative, but simply making a point that we are creative by nature, even in a negative sense. But having said that, we're not going to talk about lying. We're going to talk about being creative and doing so, obviously, in an ethical way. In order to start this conversation, though, we have to go back a number of thousands of years. You can't have a conversation about creativity, at least properly without this verse from the Bible, from the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 1 and verse 9. The thing that hath been is that which shall be, and that which is done is that which shall be done. And there is no new thing under the sun. Now, that phrase, there's nothing new under the sun, has entered our culture and has been passed on from culture to culture because it's a truism. It's an axiom. It's, of course, it's true. There's nothing new under the sun that we may say, well, but computers, computers are new to our modern age. But I would contest that, no, they aren't. They've been around for a long time, just not in the way that they are right now, not with a graphical user interface. The abacus is a computer. And there have been all kinds of different counting machines and so on and so forth that qualify, technically speaking, as computers. So, if that's the case, then then what really is the nature of creativity and how can that help me become more profitable in my business? So, in order to have that conversation, we're going to break this down into uh, essentially three um, bullet points here. What is creativity? And once we understand what it is, how can I become more creative? And then I think importantly, we have to take it the next step and say, how can I encourage others to become more creative? And that's important if you are a business owner with employees, if you are in management with subordinates beneath you, or as a parent even. Creativity is is vital in all of these. And I'd like to show you why. So, nothing new under the sun. Let's, let's go from there. Um, I've studied the subject of creativity for many years. And I have a bookshelf, and, and now a Kindle, full of books on the topic. Um, and so, I say that to springboard to this, that there's uh, a gentleman named Kirby Ferguson. And you can look him up on Google and YouTube. He's done TED Talks, and he has uh, a short film series that he created called Everything is a Remix. And look that up. It's a very interesting uh, series that he created. 
And what he encapsulates so well in this short film series is what I came across, um, and, and every, anyone who has studied creativity at length is going to, to eventually arrive at pretty much the same conclusion, that creativity is a combination of copy, transform, and combine. If there really is new, n- nothing new under the sun, well, then how can we be creative? But see, that's not what Solomon, who wrote that thousands of years ago, was saying. It's not that we cannot be creative. It's that the, that the very nature of what creativity is, is uh, not really unique to us. Uh, we are creative beings. Um, and we're just not all creative in the same way. So, for example, when we talk about creative people, we tend to think of, uh, you know, what comes to mind for most people is uh, describe a creative person as they say, well, they're artistic, and meaning usually in the visual arts, like, um, you know, obviously painting, drawing, sculpting, and those sorts of things. Or, of course, music. Somebody who, who writes music, performs music, we say that that person is creative. Um, but I would contend that a mathematician is creative. And I've had that conversation with people who say, well, you know, I'm, I'm really more of a math person or, or more of an abstract person. I'm not really creative. But as the film Hidden Figures uh, popularized the story of the, in the movie, the story of the, the three um, ladies who were mathematicians, but were able to put men in orbit. What is possibly more creative than that? Using math to put people in orbit around the Earth and eventually the moon. <laughs> that's, that's pretty creative. Now, I understand we're not, we don't think in those terms when we use math when we go to the grocery store. Um, you know, balance our checkbook, so to speak. You know what I'm saying? Who carries a checkbook anymore? But, but my point is, is, is that you can find creativity everywhere, anywhere. Galileo famously said, mathematics is the language with which God has written the universe. And I believe that there's, that's, again, a truism, and therefore math can be creative. So here's my point. Creativity can be found everywhere in any discipline. And again, it's a combination, as Kirby Ferguson summarized, it is a combination of copy, transform, and combine. So, in other words, my wife is very good at flower arranging. She's taken lessons on it. She has taught it. She's been doing it for years, and she, she is gifted with that. If she's doing an arrangement of fresh flowers, she didn't create the flowers. Now, we may plant roses or other flowers in our garden, and we can say, well, we created this garden. Yes, we arranged it, but we didn't give it the spark of life to grow. We did everything we were supposed to to make it grow. We planted the seeds or bulbs or whatever it is and, and uh, watered and nurtured those plants until they were old enough to bloom. And then, and then we can take those flowers and she can make an arrangement of it. But, and, and you would look at that, her arrangements are gorgeous, and you would say that that's very creative. Yes, it is. But, but she didn't originally create those flowers. She took something that existed and, 
several of those things. She made copies of them. In other words, she took different flowers or a bunch of different um, uh, looking flowers and cut them at different heights and so on and so forth. And she transformed them. She arranged them and and combined what she likes in, you know, just her aesthetic that she likes or I, ideas that she had and so on and so forth and made this arrangement. So she copied, transformed, and combined and made it her own. If a musician, uh, or excuse me, a composer creates a piece and intended it to be played exactly the same way every time, we'd stop going to those concerts. We'd stop buying those recordings. Because what would be the point? If Beethoven's Fifth was played the same way every time, um, no matter who played it, with the same nuances in the exact same place and so on, it, it would not, it would not be as exciting. But but hearing Yasha Heifetz play a piece, or hearing Itzhak Perlman play a piece, we enjoy that because we we hear their interpretation. They are being creative. They are taking the original and transforming it and combining it with their skill to give us something new. It may be a same piece. They could both play the same exact piece, but they're going to put their own, their, uh, their own personality into it, and it becomes something wonderful. And so you, my friend, I, I would contend that you are creative. I don't, it doesn't matter who you are. You have the ability to create because that's how we were made. So, uh, we could say this, that, that we, our ability to create is essentially to copy an idea. I don't mean unethically steal an idea, but <laughs> there are many quotes out there. And if you, if you watch uh, Everything is a Remix, you'll, you'll understand this if, you, if you've seen it, that uh, Steve Jobs famously said that that they shamelessly steal ideas from others, and other famously creative people have echoed essentially that same um, sentiment. Whether it's Pablo Picasso and, and so on and so forth. So my point is this: is is that the only truly creative being is God. He is the only person who is able to create something out of nothing. The Latin phrase is ex nihilo, and Aside, so aside from him, we cannot make something out of absolutely nothing. But he did give us the ability to create by copying, transforming, and combining. So, as I've said, I've, I've studied this topic for years upon years. And I have here in my hands several books to prove that. Um, and I'll link to these books in the description of the podcast. But, for example, um, these, these are pretty classic books, too. A Whack on the Side of the Head, How You Can Be More Creative. Um, interesting book called The Artist's Way by Julia Cameron. Uh, a, uh, Whether or Not You Draw, this is a great book called Drawing on the Right Side of the Brain by Betty Edwards. It's, again, a classic book. It's not necessarily about creativity, but it is the process of becoming creative. So, um, but it's using the idea of drawing to help us bring out that creative person in us, whether or not you like to draw. It's still a very interesting book. How to Think Like Leonardo da Vinci by Michael Gelb. The Ten Faces of Innovation by Tom Kelly. This was um, 
there, there's an um, industrial design company called IDEO, I-D-E-O. And so it's based on the IDEO strategy for beating, excuse me, IDEO strategies for beating the devil's advocate and driving creativity throughout your organization. That's what the book is about. And then a book simply called Aha by Jordan Ian. And, uh, and then finally, I, and I've got many more, but these are some of my favorites. A book called The Creative Priority by Jerry Hirschberg, who is the founder and president of Nissan Design International, the uh, automotive company. And that's a very fascinating book because it's, it's not only talking about creativity, but more specifically how to foster creativity, encourage creativity in the workplace. And he, he has a lot of interesting stories in there, and uh, it's, it's, a very, it's a very good book. So what creativity then is, to sum up and before we move on, is the ability to take an idea and transform it to make it your own and then combine it with other ideas to create something new. Um, <clears throat> so you, well, l- let me give you an idea. Um, I'm, I'm one of these kinds of people that, that likes to take ideas and put them on the back burner of my mind for a while and let them stew. Um, I oftentimes do that best by thinking about something, trying to solve a problem before bedtime, and then I go to sleep and usually wake up around three in the morning with the, that's how you do that idea. Um, as a teenager, learning how to play guitar, trying to figure something out, I couldn't do it, but you know, I was working on it right up until bedtime, then I go to sleep. And then I wake up at three in the morning. That's how you do it. And I get out the guitar and I and I work my way through it. As funny as it sounds, I learned how to drive a stick shift in my sleep. I was out with with some friends. They let me uh, drive, and um, they would tell me, you know, the the person whose car was sat in the passenger seat next to me, and they tell me, okay, push the clutch in, put the the gear into you know into the next gear, and so on. And um, but. I was okay on the highway because, you know, at, at that time, you know, I could just put it in fifth gear and go on my way and didn't have to worry about shifting. Um, but then getting, hitting the exit ramp and getting into town, that became quickly something different. And them trying to get me to figure out, okay, the coordination, okay, clutch, all right, shift, you know. And um, and, I, and I struggled with that at first. And, and it had been a long drive and a long day. And I went home and I took a nap. And... I dreamt about it, and I woke up going, I got it, I know how to do this. And I called my friend, I said, let's go for a drive. And I'm like, are you serious? And we get in the car, and I could do it. Because I, I, had, I was motivated, I was excited, but I took what I noticed other people doing, that's the copy, and I transformed it. I put myself in the driver's seat in my mind, and, and I combined what, what I saw them do with what, what I had experienced, and I created a new thing for me, learning how to, to drive a stick, and then I could do it. It wasn't a problem after that. And it's kind of a, a simple um, example, but, but essentially that's how creativity works. We, we should always ask the question, what if? Uh, making pancakes in the morning. Okay, I'm taking something original. There's nothing new about the pancake. But I take the pancake, and I... And I, I transform it. Maybe I, I cook it in a different way. Maybe I put it into the waffle iron instead. 
And then I combine it with something else. Well, maybe I throw some fruit in there, or maybe I throw something I've never put in there. Maybe some some bits of candied ginger off the top of my head. I don't know if that'd be good or not, but but that's really the point. We say, what if, and we experiment, and we try, and we often fail until we succeed. And that's the process of being creative. So I encourage you, experiment with those kinds of things. Ask the question, what if? Um, in, in, we'll get more into this, but essentially, there is no such thing as a stupid question unless you're asking the question on purpose to be stupid. <laughs> but, but that's important in business and at home. What if we tried this? What if those what if questions are great? So we talked about what the nature of creativity is. How can we become more creative? Well, there's, there's all kinds of techniques and so on, but essentially the greatest technique is just you getting into your own mind, giving yourself permission to ask what if, giving yourself permission to make mistakes. And I'm not talking about huge uh, you know, blunders that land you in jail kind of a thing. I'm just saying, for example, as a voice teacher, I tell my students, mistakes are our friends. Make mistakes. Make good mistakes. And my, my studio is to be a no guilt, no pressure zone. And I tell them, look, if your voice cracks, really crack it. Make it a good one. <laughs> you know, if you hit a sour note, then really embrace that and just get it out of your system. And the reason why is because mistakes tell us where we need to improve. If, if I have a student or if I myself have gotten to the point where, where vocally I am not making mistakes, then I'm not really pushing myself to get better. I've gotten comfortable, and comfort leads to complacency. And that's not creative at all. So I encourage mistakes because they teach us, okay, here's where the boundary is, and, how, and, and now that I know what that boundary is, how can I overcome that and make myself better? I tell my students... Don't worry about competing with other people. The only person you have to compete with is yourself. So you need to try to be better today than you were yesterday. And then tomorrow, just wash, rinse, and repeat. Do the same thing. Because that's the creative process. I'm just trying to be better today than I was yesterday. I'm trying to take the knowledge and experience that I have today and combine it with something new so that I can be better than I was yesterday. So... Allow for mistakes in your life. Um, you know, we could talk about Edison and the light bulb and how many times he, he failed until he succeeded. Uh, Zig Ziglar famously said that failure is not a person. You are not a failure. Failure is an event. And failures teach us how to, where we need to improve and how to become better. They are those, those boundaries that should only be considered temporary until we learn how to cross them. We just had the 50th anniversary of the Apollo 13 mission. And Gene Kranz called it, who, who was one of the, the mission control um, controllers, um, he, he called it a successful failure. What would happen if men got trapped in space? Well, that happened. How do we get them home? Did the mission go as planned? No, it didn't. But they learned so much by rescuing those men and learning how to return them home in a contingency 
And that improved all the missions that followed. That there were lessons learned that, that were carried into the space shuttle program, into the International Space Station program, and so on. Because they recognized that, that failure happens, and failure is a teacher. And that's what helps us. They had to get extremely creative to get those three astronauts home. So creativity is found everywhere, even in outer space. And, and is, it is vital for us to be creative. It is vital to ask what if. It is vital for us to allow for mistakes. So you can become more creative by asking what if, allowing yourself to make mistakes, and, uh, and experimenting. Experiment with things. Um, uh, you know, as kids, it's like we do this. What if I take this color and this color and I mix it? Well, that's not good. So I'll try this one. Um, we, we experiment with mixing things. We experiment with, with what if I do this? And, you know, as kids, a lot of times those things can get, uh, can get us into trouble with our parents, <laughs> depending on how extreme we go with that. But, but, but understanding where those boundaries are for experimentation and, and being willing, again, to make mistakes in the experiment, to let those things happen and just say, well, okay, so that didn't work. Let's try this. And building on the knowledge that you have. The other thing is changing your perspective. When I was a kid, so it's obvious that I, I um, loved the space program uh, growing up. I watched the Apollo space program, Skylab, the first launch of the shuttle, and so on, and was just enamored with the space programs. And one of my favorite things to do as a young boy was to lie on my floor, uh, in our living room in particular, and tilt my head backwards and stare up at the ceiling. Now, we had popcorn ceilings. Hopefully you understand what I mean by that. Um, popcorn ceilings have that rough texture. And what I would do by laying on my back and tilting my head backwards, to me, it looked like the surface of the moon. It was especially helpful if I got up on like the table or something so that it was closer to the ceiling. And, and I could see the texture and all the the crags and the nooks and crannies and so on, and, and the light hitting across it at the right angle. And in my mind, I was landing on the moon because my perspective changed it from being a ceiling that was above my head, by, but by laying my back and tilting my head backwards, looking at it upside down, it became right side up in my mind. And, and in my head, I could picture a moonlander exploring that surface. And for me, that was fun because I enjoy that sort of thing. Uh, so the idea is getting a different perspective. That could be simply standing in a room that you often go into, but standing in a part of it that you never have in a posture that's different. Standing in the corner of a room, for example, and looking up or looking down, or just standing up on a table and looking around the room and seeing things in a unique way. Um, pretending. We, as adults, we have forgotten how to pretend. My sister inherited when my when my father passed away. We had a um, we had this. Most people just ca call it a coffee table, um, but essentially it was an octagonal shaped mahogany table. The center of it was cut out so that it could fit this brass bowl, and the brass bowl just lifted out, and it was big enough for me to fit in. And and then uh, there were you know at every corner of the, of that octagon was a, a pillar, and that's what held the table up. And what I would do, and, and I could crawl in between those pillars, or I could take the, 
that bowl off the top. And for me, that was a submarine or a spaceship. You know, the top bowl would come out, and that was the hatch, and I'd climb through there, and I'd, you know, I'd poke my head between two of those pillars, and I'd steer, you know, in my mind. I was, I was in a submarine or a spacecraft or something like that. And I was pretending. I was taking something that, that was meant for one thing, which was, this is a coffee table. But because I was small enough to fit in there, I could pretend, and it became a submarine or a spaceship or, or whatever. Or, you know, with, the, with those pillars, I could pretend like I was in jail, you know, something. I mean, the point is, is, is taking stuff that we look at, we, can, we take things for granted. We can look at things in a different way and pretend. And again, that just goes back to playing what if. Um, if you have kids, this is what's great about playing with your kids is that you can essentially be a kid again by playing with them and experimenting what if. Now, we've, we, we have more muscle coordination than a lot of young kids, so we know how to color inside the lines, right? But, but, but watch how your kids color. Watch the, the, the colors that they choose and ask them, now, why did you choose that color for that? Kind of get inside their mind. Let them know you're not judging them. You're just curious about how they think because how, what that does is it gets us to think and see things in a different way, in a way that we've forgotten, perhaps. Um, and I see, you know, nowadays I see adults, adult coloring books, you know, um, much more complex patterns than we had when we were kids. And they're, and they're patterns and shapes um, and so on, and not uh, the, the simple cartoon character things that, that we would do when we were kids. So <clears throat> we can become more creative by asking what if, allowing for mistakes, by pretending, experimenting, and so on, and, and giving in your own mental space the permission to, um, to experiment, to not have guilt. It's a guilt-free zone. And essentially, the way we foster creativity in others now, how do we encourage that creativity, whether it's you as a parent with your kids or since we're talking about creating knowledge income, um, you as an entrepreneur, if you have, uh, well, just you as an entrepreneur, but if you have people that, that you work with, or if you're in management, you have subordinates and so on, you can encourage creativity in the workplace by taking the, the same ideas that we just talked about applying to yourself and expanding that to include them. So, so in other words, um, Creativity means that as a parent, for example, and your kids are coloring, if they go outside of the lines, so what? Allow them to go outside of the lines. Um, I th it's in one of these books, and I can't remember which one, but there's a story of, of uh, a child who went to school and, and the teacher said, okay, we're going to paint now. And, uh, and the assignment for the kids was, I want you to paint a picture of the sunrise. And so most of the kids did what, what pretty much everybody would do, and that would be, uh, you know, brown for the ground, blue for the sky, yellow for the sun, and, you know, white for clouds. Maybe there's, you know, the simple bird drawing, whatever. But one of the kids took black and purple and orange and some other colors that you would not have thought of for a sunrise. And the teacher said, that's not right. And scolded the kid for, for not choosing the colors that they thought they should pick. And they, said, and they said, that's not what a sunrise looks like. 
What they didn't realize is that this child wakes up very early, lives on a farm, has to get up very early to help dad, and then go and meet the bus to go to school. So this child said, that's what the sky looks like when I get up. That's what my sunrise looks like. Uh, Alan Bean, who was, let's see, one, two, three, fourth person to walk on the moon. He was on Apollo 12. And he um, became an artist. And he actually would take some moon dust that, that he was allowed to have, that he had brought back with him, and sprinkle it in some of his paintings. And he would, he would paint pictures of, of, you know, astronauts walking on the moon and so on. And, but he would paint with these different colors. You know, we've seen the pictures of the moon, and we expect, well, you know, the moon's pretty much a stark, it's, it's pretty much a monocolor gray. At least that's what we think. And I love his response. People would say, but, but, but Mr. Bean, <laughs> those colors aren't, aren't on the moon. And he'll, he would say, how do you know that? Have you ever been there? <laughs> And I love that response. He has been there, but but that's not really the point. The point is, I mean, it's a great point, but but really the point is, it's his painting. He can make it whatever he wants. So you have to encourage that in your in your business, asking what if, being willing to experiment, being willing to allow for mistakes. Now I'm not talking about million dollar mistakes. I'm talking about simple mistakes. Um, I'm talking about uh, experimenting, asking, as I said, what if, but also pretending. Role-playing is a great thing. Um, you know, all of those things should be in the business in order to expand it, to, to encourage that creativity. A good manager in baseball allows the pitcher to pitch his way out of trouble. I mean, the minute he starts throwing a bunch of balls instead of strikes, you don't yank him out of there. You, you encourage him. You, you, you encourage him to, to reach down and get a little more, to, to push himself a little farther. Um, I enjoy road cycling. And I think one of the reasons why I enjoy it so much is that I can have a conversation with my legs or in many cases, my lungs, I can say, okay, you need to keep going. How much farther can I go? What if I went this way? What if I tried this? What if I shift my position? If we don't ask those questions, we don't improve, we don't get better. Uh, we, we can, and again, talking about cycling, um, <clears throat> by, by watching others, uh, there's uh, a cyclist um, who in the Tour de France would shift his weight toward the front. He would get off his seat and shift his weight toward the front handlebars on descent and crouch down. And by doing that, he made himself more aerodynamic. Um, but most people up until that time would stay on their seats and crouch down to become more aerodynamic. But by leaning forward, he put more weight and therefore more momentum over that front wheel, which gave him just that little extra bit of speed on the descent. And people started realizing, hey, he's getting a little more power out of doing that. And so they copied him. See, that's creativity. Yes, he was the first one to do it, but really there was nothing new. He just understood gravity, aerodynamics. He, he copied what he'd learned probably from somewhere else. 
He combined it and made it his own. And now other people are doing the same thing and adding their variance to it. And that's creativity. That's what pushes us to become a better cyclist, a better artist, a better entrepreneur, a better parent, um, you know, whatever it is, a better singer, whatever the, your endeavor is. So, so here now, I'm going to wrap this all up by saying that what you do is you take something that you know really well, and then you take the other thing that you know really well. I guarantee most people would say, well, there's really only one thing that I do well. Well, I, I disagree. Like I say, we're all really good liars, uh, which is unfortunate. But, but we can be creative. And we can take something that, that we know, maybe it's our vocation, the thing that we've been trained to do or that we've done for a long time, and take maybe a hobby something else that we have done for a while that we really like, and try to figure out, okay, these things don't seem like they connect, but how can I make them connect? There's a word for that. It's called ingenium. How can I make the connection or see the connection that, that most people don't see? How can I connect this to that in a way that other people don't see? But I can make that connection because I have experience with this thing and that thing. So how can I get these two things to work together? Uh, I, when I was working for an e-learning company back in the dot-com era, and I was getting a little frustrated with the problem, I, I was designing interfaces and helping the programmers connect those interfaces with their back-end programming. And there was one thing in particular I was struggling with, like, I can't get this to do what I want it to do. And my boss, who, who didn't have the answer, but he had the answer. <laughs> he, he didn't say, well, here's how you do that. He just looked at me. He said, well, Paul, he said, in programming, anytime there are bits flying through the air, if there are electrons, there's a way to make them connect. And that, when he said that, that really resonated with me. And later that day, I was able to come up with a solution. Because what he was letting me know, he was giving me confidence that, okay, you don't see it right now. But there's got to be a way because basically if there's electrons that are trying to find the path of least resistance from point A to point B, there's a way that you can interrupt that and make some new connection. That's creativity, folks. That's um, you taking two different or three different whatever things and seeing the connections that other people don't see. How can I get these things to do, to, to do what I want them to do? Ingenium, the ability to make connections that aren't there. Um, I, a friend of mine, um, great sense of humor, and I, I love this. Um, he posted this online. He said um, he was making lunch one day, and his, he asked his uh, daughter, who was very young at the time, I, I think probably about five years old, he said, he, he said to her, um, hey, kid, do you want a grilled cheese sandwich? And she said, no, I don't think so. And he said, okay. And then not even a minute or two later, he said, oh, I know. He said, would you like an ooey gooey melty cheese sandwich? And she said, yeah, okay. <laughs> and, and, then he, and then he said, you know, it's all about the marketing folks. <laughs> because he, he offered her the same thing. He just, he just um, proposed it in a different way. And a lot of times that's, that's true. In creativity, we take one idea and we're just, we're just turning it slightly and looking at it from a different point of view. Grilled cheese sandwich? Eh. Ooey gooey cheesy sandwich? Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, 
So, so creativity can be found everywhere, even in the kitchen. Um, we are by nature creative. Uh, I mean, if you think about what it means to be a parent and to have a child, you're taking... So, so again, this goes back to copy, transform, and combine. I mean, this is procreation. This is taking part of dad and part of mom and creating a new life. And that new life is unique. There's, there's no one else like your child. But that child has part of you and part of the other. And again, that's, that's why one of the reasons why we are creative. Because it's a creative process to make a human being. And, and that procreation is what helps us to understand what it means to be creative, to, to make connections that we normally don't see, to understand that, that asking what if is, is okay. Um, so, so ask what if, pretend, experiment. Um, and, and that's how we understand how we can become more creative. Allow for your subordinates to make mistakes. Allow them to experiment. And, it's, and, and that should be a guilt-free zone. So when you ask them, okay, what happened? They should feel free to say, well, we tried this and, and it didn't work. And encourage them to try again. And you know, I'm not saying blow the company budget. <clears throat> but again, the process of getting to the moon was unique. Nobody had ever done it before. So how do we know that this is going to work? How do we know that we're doing it the right way? How are we going to know that we can get these guys back once we land them on the moon? <laughs> so these were all questions that they, that they had to ask in order to... To, um, to get men safely to the moon and return them safely to Earth, as President Kennedy famously made in his speech at Rice University. So, again, be creative. Creative people make great entrepreneurs because they are willing to ask those what-if questions and to, to see connections that aren't there. Look, watch Shark Tank and notice, next time you'll, you'll see this, next time if you, if you watch Shark Tank, I, and I love watching it, Notice how many ideas were really taking one idea and another idea and putting them to, together in a way that makes you go, yeah, how come somebody hasn't thought of that before? <laughs> That's brilliant. And, and then learning how to market that. So your marketing then becomes creative. Um, your ability to connect with your audience and so on. So creativity is just vital to the success of a business. It's not just about the numbers. It's not just about serving people, and that's important. But how can I serve these people creatively to make their life better? Thank you for listening. Remember to be smart, be good, be humble right now. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Creating Knowledge Income Podcast with your awesome host, Paul Erickson. Awesome? Really, Dad? Anyway, you can subscribe to his podcast, YouTube channel, Facebook, and Instagram at paulerickson.com. So smash that like button, hit that subscribe, ring that bell, face the Facebook, and Insta the Instagram. All right, Dad, that'll be $5.